Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is number 224. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Shakir Rashan, author of Samwa. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. The chair next to me is empty, but on the line with me is Shakir Rashan. How are you tonight, man? I am doing absolutely wonderful. How are you doing, sir? I am good, and I'm excited. You have a new book. My newest, uh, Samwa, is has already been out. Ooh, I'd say probably about a, uh, I say a few few weeks now at this point. So. All right. Now, you've been at this Nubian Underworld series for some time. Yes, sir. The original, uh, <laughs> here's, here's the fun part. The very first edition, when we, when we first released as an independent, the, the first release, The Awakening, was actually originally released in 2009. So come next year, we'll be celebrating its 10th anniversary of this original, original release. Uh, after we were optioned by Atria Books and Simon & Schuster, the Awakening was re um, was repurposed and republished in 2013. So technically, it's been out five years as well. This particular year coming up, as far as December, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, December makes five years for it. How many books are there? Um, in the series right now, it's four and counting. The way that we originally originally planned it was about six books, and then move on to something else uh, where we would basically use the last book in the series and transition it into something else. As I read a little bit about the book, there's some pretty exciting stuff here. Your female dominant Nefertari is quite a powerful person. <laughs> yeah, Nefertari is definitely not, not one to mess with as far as that is. She is, for those that are, that are fans of the series, they know her as the better half of the uh, dominant couple between uh, Lady Nefertari and Master Ramses. This particular installment, we basically had Ramses and uh, Amenhotep head out of the country. They were working on a different a different project, if you want to say. Uh, that's for another installment later on in the series. Ooh, but, that sounds like fun. Like, okay. Yes, sir. They decided to head out of the country because they were scouting out different different ideas, different locations for whatever it is that he's got cooking up his sleeve. But With a sexual undertone, no doubt. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Always that. Always that. You never know when it comes to the kink world. Uh, but they went ahead and headed out of town and they allowed, uh, well, I can't even say they allowed, uh, they, they pretty much left, uh, Nefertari to her devices. So, uh, between her and her two, her, du- her two best friends, technically, Mr. Sensual is one, Mrs. Blaze is the other. Um, and then of course they allowed a few of the other women who, uh, are submissive under normal circumstances, but for the fantasy weekend, they, uh, switched over to the left side of the slash and became tops for the majority of the week. A bunch of wild women in big control. Uh, yes, sir. That is the case. There, there is not a single male on the property the entire weekend who has to assume any sort of 
power exchange control on the left side of the slash. All right. With these powerful figures, powerful women figures, this is playing right at the same time as that very popular movie right now, Black Panther. Uh, yes, sir. It, it wasn't a coincidence that I did what I did when I came up with this particular installment. This was a combination of a lot of different factors. This was a promise to my uh, to my beloved as far as having an installment that would be dedicated to the women in the series. So there, there was that half of the equation. The other half of the equation was because I already had a pretty in-depth history of the Black Panther universe. I knew how important the Dora Milaje would be in the film, and it just turned into its own lightning in a bottle, if you want to say. Speaking of lightning in the bottle, so you talk about all these uh, strong females, dominance, and even the submissive ones became dominant, but something happened at the silent slave auction where the power shifted. Indeed. Ooh. The thing about a lot of my my twisted mind as far as different storylines and things of that nature is there are certain twists that under normal circumstances it would cause for conver- for conversation, if you want to say. In this particular instance, the rules of the marketplace uh, session during the actual weekend required that those who had established collared properties had to release them for the weekend so that they could be in service to whomever would collect them for that weekend. As you can imagine, most dominants that you know would not ever under any circumstances really agree to something like that. So it gave it its own kick of drama um, in terms of what could possibly happen. Could somebody betray someone? Could someone decide that, okay, now that I'm free, I think I might be able to take a look at some other things and See if there's anything I might want to see on the other side. You know, the the whole grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. There was a lot of different things that came up with regard to the different women who wanted specific property and got shafted in the in the auction process. There were others that they didn't get anything they wanted at all, and now they're salty all weekend. So okay, now you're getting into the Housewives of Atlanta at this point. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, yeah. It could be a lot of fun. It could be very hot. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so the you know, pages I, catch I, fire I, as you turn them. Oh, absolutely. I, I played with so many different combinations of different things that um, it, it just had its own special pieces here and there. I played with grandiose entrances as far as people, different different women coming into the compound in their own unique way. I had a lot of different uh, kinks that are specific to the female-dominant male-submissive dynamic. You name it, I, I played with it. And besides the fact that I have two dominant women that are in my romantic circle who I was able to lean on to kind of help out with how to play those different scenarios out and watch them grin as they read everything as it came through, uh, yeah, it, was all, it was all good at that point. The name, Samoa, where does that come from? Samwa is a uh, is a is a dual purpose name. Samwa was in a lot of different circles meant for a female dominant or um, female dominant oriented society. That was one third of it. Samwa is also the uh, is also the fictional name of the Samwa uh, Sursane, which was in the story of O. Uh, that was the bondage mansion 
uh, where where O was sent to be trained uh, by her sir. I knew that name was familiar. Yes, sir. Uh, and then, of course, the final the the final piece is the actual lesbian uh, SM organization that was named Samwa back in the eighties that functioned as a uh, as a leather organization as well. There's lots of uh, double and triple meanings going on here. Yes, sir. I'm nothing if I'm not entertaining. Yeah, I've met you enough times that I can guarantee you're right about that. <laughs> Speaking of entertaining, you've got uh, some um, road trips, as it were, or, or some public showings at any rate. Frolicon uh, is coming up very quick. Absolutely, and, it is. And you will be there. That I am. And so you're bringing some books with you. Yes, sir, I am. That the Kinky Cast listeners can get a chance to win. I, that I do, sir. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that a few will take advantage of the opportunity that is being presented. And presented with an autograph and even a picture of the author. Absolutely. There you go. Definitely come by the Kinky Cast booth at Frolicon. Say hi to Shakir and check out the book and you could go home with it for some lucky winners. Absolutely. That sounds like a lot of fun. And we always have a lot of fun at Frolicon. What are you looking forward to see there? Here's the thing. Every year we usually do a bedtime stories uh, segment on, on the Friday nights of Frolicon itself. The bedtime stories segment is actually probably one of the more, I can't even call it hilarious. It's, it's both parts sexy and hilarious. Because uh, the audience actually gets to gets to act out some of the scenes of the authors that participate in that particular event. You can definitely count me and my crew in on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. Like I say, it's equal parts sexy and funny, depending on what scene is being read and who's acting out what and, you know, that type of thing. The last few years I've had scenes from Legacy read in that particular scenario and acted out. That was probably my most fun one. That was maybe two, I think that was three years ago, if I remember correctly, when Legacy was hot. Last year uh, was a flogging scene inside of Obsession, inside of my Kink P.I. series. That was equal parts sexy and hilarious as well. It sounds like fun. You know, I didn't get to it last year because there's just so many things going on, but you are definitely going to see the crew at your uh, bedtime stories this year. And I I think a, a lot of our listeners that are hearing this now need to make it a point to go and be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, absolutely. I, nine times out of ten, they'll see me. You know, I'm a, I'm a branding freak, so nine times out of ten, they'll see they'll see the, the Shakir brand somewhere on my back. I usually wear uh, one of, my, one of my, um, my barbershop dickies that has the emblem on the back. If I don't have it, then, you know, both of my girls will probably have it. So one way or another, somebody's going to see something. You are not a hard man to miss, by the way. No, I definitely am not. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a small man, so yes. it's easy It's easy to find me. Yes. I remember the first time I met you back four years ago at uh, Self, you were quite an imposing character in the room. <laughs> I have my moments. Sometimes they have to remind me that I have to kind of, not necessarily that I have to smile, but I have to kind of deflate the room a little bit to keep them from thinking that, okay, somebody's going to get themselves killed if they stand near me. So I, I always remind myself the minute I enter a room to just go ahead and just kind of light it up and go from there. Yeah, either that or somebody is going to get so turned on that they uh, can't stand themselves after that, you know? Oh, well, yeah, there is that. Yeah, dar- darn the luck. <laughs> it's a legacy that you have to live with. Speaking of leg- legacy, which is one of your books. I have no problems with that whatsoever. Yeah. 
Legacy is what book? Was that your last one? No, Legacy was the second in the series. Um, the actual, yeah, the actual series listing is uh, starts with the Awakening, then uh, moves on to Legacy, then moves on to Tempest, Tempest and then finally right. Samoa. These books are all must reads for the the kinksters out there that that want uh, hot story time, and you're bringing people of color into this that you don't often see in kinky reading. No, absolutely. I, I think that was one of the things. Uh, matter of fact, Laura and I. Laura Antonu and I always have that same conversation every time we see each other at at Frolicon, um and other and other conferences as well, but Frolicon especially uh, because she's always harping on you know there are people out there that actually do provide a more multicultural atmosphere outside of her, and she tends to try and list me the first chance she gets. So it's a it is a compliment on on several levels. Laura's great, and her writings are amazing. When you go to Frolicon, you will meet Laura. She's always there. You'll be there. Midori's there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different folks to, oh, yeah. to get to see and, and interact with and God knows what else. The authors feed, cross-feed ideas to each other and, and all kinds of kinky stuff comes out of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> We were talking about, in this book, uh, the slave auction mm-hmm. and – the dominants kind of uh, put all their slaves into a pot and away it goes. And so I guess that'd be a very hot time. Oh yes, indeed. Absolutely. Cause again, you're looking at different, you're looking at different male slaves and submissives who are uh, in essence, trying to promote themselves and doing so in, in, in all kinds of ways that they feel uh, are necessary at that point. Once they are, you know, once the ones that are selected are selected, they go ahead and, they're immediately taken from the session and moved on to whatever private private cottage on the compound that the person who has selected them has taken them to. Um, or they can have fun in the outdoor dungeon. And as you say, debauchery of the weekend. Mm. Always. Oh, yes. So there's other things that are going on in, uh, in the kinky world right now, such as uh, cuckolding and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to where the woman has the power in the relationship and the male follows in as a slave. And so this really kind of goes hand in hand uh, with some of your storyline here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, I think the thing, the thing that comes in mind when it comes to a lot of the different, uh, a lot of the different fetishes and a lot of the different kinks that female dominance enjoy and indulge in, they don't necessarily get a lot of light of day, so to speak. Um, everything is always so, I won't say it's normalized. It's just to the point where you just have, you have to have a lot of people who really are passionate about it. And the fact that I have, even in real life, that bird's eye view, it gives me the ability to put it on the pages and let's see what turns up. Well, exciting stuff. Yeah. I'm a spoiled man. Trust me. You know, it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and so we, we chose you for this one. That, that is <laughs> I got no issues with that. I accept. <laughs> you accept. The, the, so you consider yourself a Polly man? Yes, sir. I am. Polly is growing so fast anymore. And Atlanta is a hotbed of Polly. Yeah, it is. Uh, regardless of ethnicity. Um, it's, it, I mean, even matter of fact, I think. Two weeks after, yeah, two weeks after Frolicon is the uh, is the Atlanta Poly Weekend. Right. Yeah. That... 
they usually have a pretty large uh, contingent of folks that come in and they're they're absolutely like they're polying just about every way imaginable, including uh, involving the children in uh, in those families and bringing the children with them to kind of learn how to build and grow as a poly family uh, on, you know, even on a domesticized scale. Well, we've had Billy Holder on the show in the past, and his poly family does have the kids and everything in it. And, they, and mm-hmm. I remember his daughter once saying that it's like growing up in a family with lots of daddies and mommies because their needs are always taken care of, whether they have to be run off to a soccer game or whatever it is. There's always somebody to take care of the needs of raising the kids. You know, it takes a village sort of uh, approach. Absolutely. And to me, that makes way too much sense. Well, it does, but I think the thing is that because we had such uh, such an emphasis on a nuclear family starting back in the 50s and mm-hmm. we just really haven't let it go um, at this particular point, that any kind of communal-style living would be considered outside of the norm. Today. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, which is too bad because I, I do remember growing up back in the 50s because I am that old. You know, the neighbors, all all the kids played together – you know, whichever mom was around, you know, kept an eye over everybody and you know, took us Absolutely. to the emergency room and all that sort of stuff. And that was just normal. And today you don't see it. Everybody has this little personalized cell. You see a, a soccer game and there is a car for every kid on the field. Yes, sir. I remember, you know, kids piling into the car back. We didn't have seatbelts back then. And so you got as many kids in the car as you possibly could. <laughs> Safety and be there, damned, but and there you have it. And that was the nuclear family back then. And, yes, and then, you know, we got into the sixties and we had the whole commune idea play out and, and, you know, free love and sex and, you know, whose kid is this? Absolutely. We have no idea, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Agreed. And, and so it just evolves. And I, I think Polly is the next cycle here. And it, it makes sense because as an older person, I'm in a poly family, and yeah. all of my partners are, you know, up in my age range, and we're starting to take care of each other, you know, from mm-hmm. a medical point of view. Uh, we've had people with, you know, replaced parts, you know, knees and et cetera. And, and so it's taking care of friends and lovers as we would expect to be taking care of ourselves. Yeah, that is, a, that is a very beautiful thing. I think right now we've gotten – uh, I think we've gotten to the point now where it's it's becoming not necessarily that it's normalized per se, because, you know, right now, the only thing they're really looking at as, as it stands right now from a uh, from a mainstream perspective is looking at your polygynous setup as opposed to your polyandry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the thing that's probably there. It's almost like they're trying to normalize one and then they'll shove everything else behind it. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. Well, we must be categorized, you know. Oh, of course, of yeah, course. Yes, and so uh, th- that was an inter- interesting word you used. So th- that's a different kind of spin on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we we go down, and so you're living this poly life. You have, uh, you know, your partners, your dominant partners, and all that that you uh, have in your family. And I will say, you know. We have the the daily life, you know, the paying the bills, the raising the kids and all that stuff. Yes, and sir. then we have that word that you have on the page here, debauchery. Yes, sir. <laughs> because you got to have some debauchery in your life. 
it's a balancing mechanism it, it on is. levels that I don't think people appreciate. And, you know, that type of thing is it's almost that old cliche of, you know, all works and all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. And um, Johnny is a pretty dull boy in some of the people I have met. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. I came out to a, a coworker um, just this week and he looked at me and he goes, really? And I'm going, yeah. And he goes, wow, I, I had no idea, you know, just by looking at you. I go, well, you know. We all look like normal people. And guess what? We all are normal people. We just have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. And this uh, is true. Yeah. We're not like a lot of, uh, a lot of people tend to think. I think what ended up happening was they expected, and there's not, not necessarily that it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I think because they looked at the LGBT community and they look at how flamboyant they are and, and rightfully so and how out and proud they tend to want to be. And then they come to the other uh, alternative makeups and, and communities and things of that nature. And they realize that we're not necessarily as out and proud in the sense that we just got to flaunt it in your face. Nine times out of ten, we're just trying to just get along with everybody else. We're just doing what we normally do, you know, going to the going to the movies, going to the parks, you know, cheering kids on with regard to their athletic or academic pursuits, you know, all that good stuff. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, we, we're just trying to get through life and, dare I say, get laid. Oh, get laid, definitely. Guy I was talking to hadn't been laid in three years. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'm going, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. That hurts. No, that's work. That ain't even, <laughs> that ain't even by accident. That is a concerted effort. Yeah. Uh, to the point where you go, oh, shit. <laughs> to my vanilla friends that are not getting laid, I'm sorry for you. Because yeah. I am very happy. Thank you very much. It just goes. And the thing is, you can be poly if you're 18. You can be poly if you're 70 or mm-hmm. 80 or 90. It doesn't matter. If you have the heart of a poly person and you find people that have the hearts of poly person, you come together, you make it happen, you build community, you build a household, and life is good. And people help each other. I think that's the missing component. They're so focused on on the sexual aspect of things. They they, they absolutely are. Oh my God, is it cheating? Nope, not cheating. My wife knows exactly where I am, with whom I am with, and what I am doing. Absolutely agree. There is not a cheating factor here anywhere. Yeah, I think that's the thing that everybody just, they're they're so focused on the sensationalism of it Mm -hmm. that they don't realize that the mundane is what's what's the driving force. Well, yeah. And and as soon as they, they realize how many women does he have <laughs> and his women have boyfriends, right? How does that Wrap work? Wrap your head around that. Yeah. Oh boy. That's a tough one for Mr. Vanilla. Oh, it's very much so because at that point now it's a question of virility and manhood at that point. Mm-hmm. Because now you're, you're yeah, I, it's, it's nice to have him want three, you know, two and three to yourself, but now oh well you must not be man enough if they got to have their own i am a cheering squad if you have somebody that wants to take care of you service you do whatever make you scream whatever it is go 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 i am you know the cheerleader for that because then everybody gets what they want this is true and this is what makes everybody happy 
And what is very interesting is watching social media and watching the 20-somethings out there that are trying to struggle through relationships and, oh, my God, her boyfriend cheated on her. Oh, my God, his girlfriend cheated on him. And it's just awful, awful, awful. If you allow it to be awful, it will be. And it will get worse as you go through life, as you get married and your partner cheats on you. Oh, my God. And and again, it's not. And 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 I think the the other thing that must be that must be straightened out as well is that poly is not going to be a cure all for cheating. It can happen within the poly world too. It's just a matter of the person not being honest with themselves. You're absolutely correct about the honest with yourself aspect of it. And if you're trying to pull off something then this thing's going to explode big time. Absolutely. And because time tests Polly. That it does. When I was talking to this fellow at work that uh, that I came out to, I said with all the uh, the TV news going on and the non-consensual sexual acts and all this, I said everything I do is consensual. And that way everybody is on the same page, nobody gets hurt, and it makes sense. As opposed to this, you know, I've seen enough lawyers on TV recently defending the fact that some porn star is screwing some president. And I'm going, Jesus, people, you know, if this is all consensual, you know, just bury it, be gone, done. It's private life. Bill Clinton's biggest problem is he didn't tell Congress to go fuck themselves. You know, this is true. You know. Uh, yeah, I had a thing with, with a, I had a consenting relationship and it's none of your business, you know? Well, I think that's the thing. I think, I think that's what's probably, uh, the, the, the difference between the, the different parties is that for some strange reason, the Democrats want a perfect candidate and the Republicans just want a candidate that can, that can actually get the job done. Oh, that perfect candidate the Democrats are waiting for. How long do we have to wait? I don't know because I I I could have sworn they said that Obama was about as close to perfect as they was going to get, and they still screwed it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You know, and we God knows the show has gotten too pol- political over time, and and we've we've had complaints from listeners about it. You know, leave leave the politics aside, <laughs> but it's a little hard to do that when you turn on the TV and that's all you see anymore. I- well, yeah, you're in, you're inundated with it, and unfortunately, due to is is due to the person that was uh, that was voted in. I mean, there's uh, nothing you can do about that, whether you like it or not. Voted in by the right wing Christians, the poor people. I I mean, poor people, poor blue collar people. Voted in by the people that thought that we needed change, and God knows we need change, but I didn't need this kind of change. <laughs> no arguments there. You know, and, and is it a swamp? Yes. Is the swamp fuller today than it used to be? Yes. It disagreed. You know, it's like they're pumping sewage into the swamp now. Yeah, at this point. Here I am on a rant about politics, but on the same token, I am trying to live my life in my little poly world. And I don't want Jeff Sessions to tell me how I'm going to live it. Oh, this much is true. I think that's the reason why a lot of people have have done their best to try and see uh, what the libertarians have decided to uh, trot out as far as different ideals. I mean, even 
even from my perspective, I I get a lot of what they what they want to stand for. They they really want nothing more than to have that smaller government that the Republicans want. And then they have the idea that, hey, you know, there are things that make you happy. And, and as long as it's life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, you're OK. And that is that that's plucked from the Democrats from from a lot of perspectives. So they I think they're the closest thing that I have seen to helping i mean not necessarily helping out they're probably the closest that i've seen in terms of being able to take some of the some of the things that make absolute sense from both parties and try to combine and i do see they have a very good point some of the people that are leading their point are batshit crazy but you know (laughs) exactly and and that's the problem we're not going to find the unicorn candidate out there no and it's 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 going to be impossible to do so especially when especially when both parties are are as diametrically opposed to each other and almost repellent to each other when it comes to just the just your simple basic human decency i guess is the word one can't one can't stand the other based on color of based on color of party you're right and the thing is with this whole hacking thing that's been going on we've polarized ourselves even more than mm-hmm. we used to be Absolutely. it, it was Absolutely. bad before now it's really bad very much so and so we go through, and, and people have accused me of being a wild-eyed liberal. I am a <laughs> wild-eyed centrist. Make, make no mistake about that. Absolutely. I don't go too far, too close to the edge when it comes to politics because they're both batshit crazy, left and right. This is so very much understandable from my perspective, even as a even as a black man in this country. It's it's definitely a so it's a moderation type of type of policy that needs to be that needs to be adopted when it comes to that. That's the reason why that's really the reason why a lot of the, the the libertarian policies had appealed to me to begin with because again it was a matter of they were trying to be as pragmatic as opposed to emotional. And that's the thing. We all are sitting on this earth in this country having to live next door to each other, we had better figure out how to fucking get along with each other. Yeah, there's no choice in the matter. Otherwise, all hell's going to break loose again. Well, and we're starting to see that kind of polarization. It starts with red and blue states. We have divided up the country into a checkerboard, and that is wrong in so many ideas. First off, you take a metropolitan area, which is typically leaning rather democratic, you have a rural area, which is typically uh, very Republican. And the representation is so weird. You, you take a state that has a few metropolitan areas and a lot of country, and that state goes to the Republicans. You have a state that has a lot of uh, metropolitan areas, that state goes to the Democrats. And mm-hmm. it's almost predictable. And you get the entire elections come down to swing states. This much is true. I don't have to guess which way California is going to vote. I know where they're going to go. Yeah, same thing with Texas and most of the South. Right, exactly. And, and so if it's that predictable, then there's something wrong, you know? We need to get everybody's vote to count. We've got to get rid of the Electoral College, which is just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it was invented because politicians thought people were stupid. Eh, there's that. <laughs> yeah, oops, you know? There is definitely that. And the thing is, God, I hate to admit this, they were right. 
There are some really stupid people out there, and they can vote. Think about that. No doubt. Yeah. So, again, we have gone off the ditch into the political realm. <laughs> it happens. When, in oh, fact, we should be talking about debauchery and your new book, Semwa, and come to Frolicon, register to win the book, meet secure, and maybe are you going to have your, your whole uh, group there? I'm expecting to, yes. Absolutely. I, for one, would like to Extended meet them all. family and all. There it is. That would be great. Let's get that done. And in the meantime, listeners, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. And, Shakir, I want to thank you for your time tonight. No, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> we got, we, look, it's getting to the point where we're getting old hat at this now. Yeah, it is. And, and you're a friend of the cast, and we will see you in Atlanta, my friend. Yes, sir. I look forward to it. All right. You have been listening to episode 224 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Laura Coleman on Life Coaching. Life Coaching.